0: Jenna asks, does the tea I drink need to be decaf? And Shelly wants to know, when can I start drinking diet soda again? Don't go anywhere, today we'll answer your burning questions. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 46. Most of my career, I've worked in some type of media, particularly radio, where I did morning drive nutrition spots for over 18 years. That's what led me to start podcasting, and ultimately, to you. I created Bariatric Surgery Success to provide you with life-changing information based on science, along with simple strategies and tools to help you be successful in your transformation and your entire journey. So happy you've connected with me. You're in the right place and I'm glad you're listening. I want to give a shout out and say thank you this week to Christine for her comment on Facebook. She said, I love this podcast. It's quick yet packed full of information. Christine, my goal is to not waste your time and to get right to it with information you can use. Glad you like the short format too. This week, joining me on the podcast is bariatric dietitian Isabel Maples. If you're in the private Facebook group, you may have seen her comments as she shares her expertise. Isabel is a registered dietitian and bariatric coordinator with Fakir Health in Warrington, Virginia. She helps her patients navigate the weight loss surgery process to maximize success. Her focus is on making food fun again by relearning body cues for hunger, satiety, Taming trigger foods and discovering the joy of movement. You can find Isabel's contact information in the show notes. Well, welcome, Isabel. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Susan, and glad to be here.
0: Well, let's get right to our questions, starting with Jenna, who asked Does the tea I drink need to be decaf?
1: I tell my patients to avoid tea for the first three or four weeks after surgery. And that's because the tannins in tea can actually bind with iron, and that decreases healing after surgery. But I also want them to avoid caffeine for the first month. Caffeine is one of those foods that can trigger food in the digestive system to move a little faster than normal. And that can cause diarrhea.
0: My now, patients you know, I like always... Uh, diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, I laugh when you say that because I always think about, okay, did you just drink a cup of coffee only to need to poop and about... A few minutes afterwards and that's because after surgery this your digestive system has been significantly altered and so you're moving things through your gut much more quickly just like you said and that increased what we call gut motility can sometimes cause distress and uh, not completely digested food. And so I think your point on that is a really good one. And you know something else about caffeine I think we forget is that it does irritate GERD or reflux. So if I think it's really smart, if that situation is part of your health scenario, that you hold back on that as well until that's resolved. What do you think?
1: Oh, definitely. And I see the first, even for people that don't have problems with reflux before surgery, they can still have problems for a while right after surgery, especially that first week.
0: And you know, I'm thinking of both tea and coffee, the tannins and the caffeine and tea, and then the caffeine and coffee. But I do wanna clear up that old school thought. And I still see this a lot online where it says that caffeine dehydrates you. And that's just not correct. The old science used to say, and this is years ago, that caffeine and fluids was dehydrating and therefore required extra water to make up for it. But the current science, and this science has been current now for a while, that (laughs) caffeinated (laughs) fluids are as good as any other fluids for keeping you hydrated. So in fact, the American Society for Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery, and they make many of the recommendations that Isabel and I are always reading about and looking to to see for the advancements, they also suggest avoiding caffeine for the first 30 days while your body's sensitive, like Isabel was just saying, and healing, and then check back in with your bariatric dietitian, just like Isabel, if you want to add caffeine, coffee, tea, all of these things that we're talking about today. Anything I missed on that, Isabel, that you tell your patients as well? That's good. Good. I believe that. Again, you know, if you're thinking, oh, I want to go back and learn more about caffeine, go back and listen to podcast number 34, more buzz on bariatric surgery and caffeine. You know the drill. The link will be in the show notes. You can go directly to the website, breakingdownnutrition.com, either way you want to do it. Okay. Question number two. Shelly wants to know, when can I start drinking diet soda again? Well,
1: Shelly is a dietitian dealing with bariatrics, I don't recommend carbonation after surgery, and the reason is that after weight loss surgery, the stomach is already so much smaller, and my patients tell me carbonation doesn't feel good. Um, The air bubbles can actually overfill the stomach, stretch the stomach, and that can make them feel nauseated, but it also can fill up valuable space within the stomach, so it, it, with a lot of air in there, there's no room for food. There's not as much room for water. And I want to make sure that my patients are nourishing their bodies with enough food and hydrating with fluids in between meals.
0: You know, Isabel, I've heard it said that by one patient, she told me, she says, it's like taking a bike a a bike tire and pumping it up with air as you watch it expand. She says, as if somebody took that same pump and starts pumping that air into my stomach and it's really uncomfortable. So that's like you were talking about, one of the reasons carbonation is just not a go.
1: Yeah, that's pretty graphic uh, analogy.
0: So what about, and I know you get asked this one often, sugar-free jello and sugar-free pudding.
1: So with sugar-free Jell-O, I can use that, or I have my patients use that as a way to get enough fluid in, especially if they get tired of drinking, drinking, drinking um, right after surgery. And so Jell-O actually will turn to fluid at body temperature. And because it's sugar-free, it's not going to trigger dumping syndrome, for instance. The problem is that diet Jell-O, otherwise doesn't have a lot of nutrition. So if you're using it a lot right after surgery, you might even wanna make your own and use a liquid uh, pro- protein supplement to boost the protein content of that, um, of that food.
0: I agree. And there are clear protein supplements that are available. And I'll put a link in a show note. One is called LiquiCell. I think we both recommend that one. Uh, I will put a link to that. I think I agree with you and one thing I want you to say as we get ready here to wrap up soon is that I know when talking to you in the past you have a statement that I love and you call the stomach after surgery valuable real estate would you talk about that
1: well Susan there's just not that much room in the stomach and yet your body still has to meet all its nutritional needs and fluid needs. And so something like you mentioned the sugar-free pudding, for instance, and it can give somebody a taste of something sweet in a way that's not gonna, sugar jumping syndrome, not as many calories, but at the same time, it's also not adding that much nutrition. And so I have them minimize filler foods that are really, just gonna taste good, but not really offer them much nutrition. I want them meeting their protein needs, meeting their fluid needs and meeting the needs they have for vitamins and minerals and fiber.
0: And on our last thought, I want to tie into something that you just said, that you like to minimize the use of filler foods. So some people may not yet be familiar with that term. Would you explain that?
1: Well, what I mean by filler foods
0: is it's foods that
1: taste good, but they're really not packing in much nutrition for the calories or the amount of space they're taking up in your belly. And so I want instead you to use foods that are going to provide that protein, whether it be um, fish or meat or seafood or whether it's fruits and vegetables that, and in that's gonna provide the fiber that you need. Um, so I'm looking for foods that really pack in the most nutrition for every bite.
0: That is great information. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yes, thank you. And we're looking for our patients to really make their calories count instead of counting calories.
0: I hear that. And you heard it right here. As Isabel just said, your stomach is a valuable real estate and what you put in it matters. If you have a question you want us to answer, contact me through the website breakingdownnutrition.com or just hit reply to my newsletter and send it directly to me. And remember, take care of yourself. You're worth it. Bariatric surgery success with dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practic Calories LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.